This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week, the Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back to episode 47 of the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorin and Rob Roland. Boy, I'm a little tipsy. What's going on? Nick, you, you're, you're rocking the nooners, a little tipsy. I appreciate the energy and the output. Goddamn right. Rob, what's up, man? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm here looking at Jay Cutler pictures. Or, or, oh, wait a second. That was Dan. I I, uh, I, 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 Rob, Rob, before we even get into it, can we talk about some of the inside group text and some of the Jay Cutler pictures that we got out of nowhere from Dan <laughs> earlier this week? The the body worshiping that Dan does on a he has a new male subject every week. <laughs> one of us is gonna have to tell Leah one at some point. Leah used to listen to these and she doesn't anymore, so <laughs> It's all out on the table now. Yeah, dude. I somebody told me to look up. Like, I, I can't remember. I was listening to a podcast and they were just talking about Jay Cutler, and I'm like, I've heard of Jay Cutler, but let me look him up. So I went to the gram and he put up a picture. You guys check it out on Instagram. Jay Cutler bulking, and he is so meaty. And I just immediately was depressed that I'll never be him. Well, I mean, he he won like Mr. Olympia and like all the awards for a lot of years. Of course, he's meaty, Dan. The, the, the meatiest, though. I, I never saw, like, I, I guess I never saw him, like, where he's all veined out. It was like a picture of him just, like, you could tell he was just, you know, chilling. And it was it was impressive. <laughs> well, look, before we even get into our stuff, we're going to talk to the girls at Tactic Functional Nutrition, Meredith Root and Alex Parker. So if you just want to skip past our bullshit for 15 minutes, jump to about the 15-minute mark. But, boys, great to talk to you again. And let's talk about some workouts for the week. Yeah, I had a modified week with my wrist, doing a lot of single arm kettlebell work, which Rob has been helping me with my form. It leaves a lot to be desired, I'll put it that way. Let's talk about the bruising first. I sent him a picture of my humerus was just eaten alive, and, and Rob kept texting me these kettlebell workouts. And I'm like, dude, there's got to be, like, he would text me a kettlebell workout. I did him, and, and, but every time I do it, my stomach would crawl a little bit. I'm like, okay, Rob, because I was just slamming the kettlebell into my, you know, this brand new 80 pound kettlebell and just smashing into my humerus versus that nice controlled position where the kettlebell, you know, nicely lodges kind of between the forearm and the humerus. So, a, a brand so, new, a brand new 80 pound kettlebell does not give a shit about a really fucking old right arm <laughs> from what I can tell. Doesn't give a fuck. 
my, my old school of thought used to be like heavy kettlebells are great because they're self-correcting. Like if you don't clean it right, you're never going to clean it wrong again. But Dan totally proved all that wrong. And his whole Let's give him some credit though, Rob. Like he beat the dog shit out of himself. Oh, for, for, for an entire week. By the, way. <laughs> the, the punishment was, was hard to look at. I'm, I'm pretty sure Dan is on a high dose of blood thinners with the amount of bruising that was in his arm. That, that's why, like, like he kept sending me those workouts. I'm like, I, I guess like, I'll go out and do it. And it was just a, a, a masochistic session of I would have rather done it with my broken wrist than the way you did it. You just kept beating the dog shit out of your fucking arm, man. Holy shit. <laughs> Good on you. Hey, what were what were some of those workouts, by the way, before we get into Rob's week? The one that Rob sent me that I think took me to the darkest place was the 200 meter run kettlebell workout. So this was uh, 24 minutes, every minute on the minute. It's a 200 meter run and then eight. So I was using a 62 pound kettlebell for this. This is all single arm. So 200 meter run and then eight reps of a swing, 200 meter run, eight reps of a clean, 200 meter run, eight reps of a squat. And that was every minute on the minute for 24 minutes. And the movements weren't bad at all. I, you know, obviously you get a ton of rest with those movements, but after about the, the 16, 17 minute mark, those keeping those two hundreds at like that 50, cause I was trying to hit those two hundreds in that right at, right at 48 to 50 seconds, keeping that pace. You had a little bit of rest to start the kettlebell right on the minute was pretty tough. So, so good on you, Rob. That was a, a brutal workout. Yeah, I, I love those EMOM style workouts. And if you program them right, like you can get some heavy work in there because the the rest, like you're motivated to finish stuff quickly. But if you're giving yourself like bone contusions, it kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> hey, he's getting strong on that side though. Dan, I would recommend putting that right arm in a sling for four weeks. So if we can combine the, the sling wear with the splint wear for another four weeks, I think you'll be in a good place next month. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. <laughs> I need something, please. <laughs> Don't say that out loud, Rob. He'll he'll be listening to you. Next thing you know, we'll see him in a fucking sling. Oh, God, that's so good. Dan, honest to God, though, though, I know the wrist is bothering you, and the fact that you pushed through it, like, you have absolutely crushed yourself the last week, week and a half with those new kettlebells. Good on you, man. Good on you, bro. I got eight pieces in last week with, with one goddamn arm, so. <laughs> Sack up everyone. Send a, put a picture out on the Instagram so people could see how bad your arm looks. Rob, <laughs> yeah, Rob, yo, yo, you know what? That picture is never going to see the light of day because <laughs> Leah was going through my phone, right? And she goes, you sent your friends a picture of our nap like we hadn't cleaned our bathroom. She goes, our, our nasty ass bathroom and your dumb ass bruise. <laughs> so I'll, if I can zoom it in enough to just get the bruise and not the bathroom, I'll do it for sure. Rob, what'd you get into this week? So when we had WebKey on from the Gaines Lab a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about his 10-minute test on like the, the rower or the biker for like the, the baseline to know if you're in shape. And he threw that like pace of under 140 a minute or I think he said 3,000 meters on the rower. So that equates to like 6K on the bike. So I did that on Monday morning and it just absolutely ruined my whole week. So I, I was able to hit 6,007 meters, which is like a 139 pace. Or like it was about 350 watts average for the whole 10 minutes. So if you got a piece of cardio equipment that looks has watts on there, just try to go 10 minutes as hard as you can and see what you can average for wattage. But my legs were trashed for like a couple days. I just not like sore, but I just had no energy at all. Like after that, and then by the time my legs recovered for my birthday on Friday, I hit my body weight squat. So put your body weight in the bar. One squat for every year you've been alive. So 225. I rounded up this year for for 34 reps, and then my, my legs have been 
trash the rest of the weekend. So got some good work in, but really paid for it this week. Chasing doms, baby. Love that. Are you hurting pretty badly after those 34 reps? I feel like that's that's a ton of volume. It was pretty bad, but my, my lovely wife got me one of the, the Therry Gun Mini that I'm holding on to right now. That kind of helped abate some of the th- soreness. At least I think it did. Nice. That's awesome. What about you, Nick? What'd you get into? Yeah, this week, so there were a couple things. Paul Timmons at the at the firm down in Lewis, Delaware, which is like my favorite gym down in Lewis, Rehoboth area, who I believe will be a guest for the Strategy of Fitness down the road, posted something about 20 reps, and it's it's three sets. It's 20 back squats at 225, 20 dead hang pull-ups and 20 bench press at 225. Obviously, I'm dealing with some some back and, and hip injury. So I did 20-20-20 with front squat instead. And I was, I was pretty happy with that. It was pretty easy, honestly. It was 12 minutes of work. So said that to Paul. He was pretty pumped about that. Other than that, this week has just been basically just trying not to hurt myself further. Dan, you and I have the wrist things. My wrist is not nearly as bad as as the hip and the back. So really what I'm doing is is staying away from movement below 90 degrees. And other than obviously (laughs) the 20 front squats. But yeah, it's been a good week. I've been doing a lot of muscle ups, chest to bar pull ups, strict pull ups, handstand push ups. A lot of really, honestly, it's it's working on my strengths, my shoulders. But yeah, it's, it's been a good week, I guess. So bench twenty reps, no at two twenty five, no breaks, huh? Yeah, that that's that's nothing. Luckily that's, for me, that's legit, man. That's a good showing of the combine. What's your best rep test on that? Yeah, I mean, I've hit that thirty, thirty one, thirty two, something like that. So Dude, those are like some outside linebacker numbers, right there. Yeah, I mean, they're twenty, twenty one years old, which is great. I mean, look, am I not excited about it? Of course I am. I mean, those guys are like squat cleaning 400 pounds, which is sick. But I've, I've been really good at benching for a long time, so it doesn't get me like that juiced up. Well, I think it's great. You got me juiced up. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. Look, the, the, the 34 back squats at 225, by the way, at what rep were you like, fuck this? Or have you been doing this for long enough that you're like, all right, it's one more rep than last year? There's all kinds of like different thoughts that go through your head when you're doing a set that long. Like I know I could do that. It's just it's going to hurt a lot. And I think it's around rep 10 because that's usually like the highest rep I'll ever do. It's like, oh, I'm not racking the bar. So the body just has to suffer through the next 10. Then once you get past like 20, it's just doing it one by one until it's until time's up. And I think I can maintain that pace at least until I'm 40. After that, I don't know. I might have to get lighter oh, yeah, dude, let's or go. Uh, get stronger. We'll see what happens. I love that. I love it. All right. And before we move to our guests who were absolutely fantastic this week, let's talk about one other workout I did this week, which was 12 400s on the three minute. And I just made an arbitrary goal for myself. I wanted to keep everything sub 130, which, you know, as you extrapolate that out, that's a six minute mile. And then Dan was going to do it today. And for some reason, he just bit my goal. And he got, what, five in, Dan, and you just stopped? You need to explain yourself. Yeah, so, no, I just thought that the goal was you hit, like, it's 12. The goal is you go to 12, and you have to hit everyone in under a minute 30. So you go until you can't do a minute 30. So I hit the first five at 129, 128 for the first one, then 129s. 
and hit 137. And then I was like, well, the, the workout's over. So I bounced. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck you're, it. You're not my fucking dad. <laughs> Can we get Scott Tetlow back on the horn and talk about mindset, about going into a workout like that and just just get him to break Dan? What about Mitch minutes? Aguilar? Oh, and well, don't be a pussy. I don't want Dan to die. I just want him to learn a lesson. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that uh, Scott might be a gentler hand for me than Mitch. That's no, but the point of those workouts are set your own goal. First of all, Dan, well, I thought, I thought, good I fucking thought, runner. I thought the goal was one thirty. That that's what you texted me. The goal was. I said my goal. I even capitalized M and Y. That's that's <laughs> uh, you're the standard. No, I'm my own standard. You're your own standard. Oh, look, this is this is the thing for next week. Go out there, set a time for yourself. Because look, it's it's three minutes of high intensity, but at the same time, you're taking a lot of break. And go out there every three minutes. And this is to everyone out there. Like, go find a quarter mile track, put it on three minutes or four minutes, and go run your quarter and rest what you don't, you know, how much rest you have. Like that, I, that I think one th- I think for me one thirty five is the is the is the time. I think it just took too much out of me to like that's that's kind of cruising, yeah, and you're right. I'm a good runner. Like I should be able to hit that. So you're I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it again. Yeah, you're I'm gonna runner. give. I'm gonna give it a, a go again. I will get back to you, and I'll do it correctly. I am sorry. I let I let everyone down, but I'll get back to it. I'll be at I'll be at the track. Good, Rob. You have anything good for this week, workout wise, coming from WebKey? Anything cool? This is month two of the programming, so it's mandatory five energy systems training sessions a week. So. I mean, like 30 minutes a piece, so I'll get them all in. I'm taking off of work this week, so hopefully I'll have enough time to get some good strength sessions in too. But some of these workouts, man, like you go 30 minutes all out, and it's like I really don't want to squat after that. So I, I, no. I got to start working the balance in. Dude, Webkey, th- those numbers that he was throwing out there are so fucking absurd, those 10-minute tests. And good on you for that 10-minute biker test. I can't – like because I, I just know I, I've gone against you, Rob, and, and some of like the Versa Climber and Assault Bikes you sent me your times, especially when you were doing my programming. And I know how good you are at that shit. So the fact that I think he's on probably another level is just insane that anybody like that even exists. Blows my mind. Dude, that 4K was bad on that biker. That 10 minutes all out. Absolutely trash me. No, I love that. Dude, that WebKey guy, he's got a screw loose, but I, I think there's some there's some genius in that madness, man. He's got some stuff going on. I look I look back at some of his Instagram stuff and very, very cool stuff. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. The Gaines Lab. The Gaines fucking lab. And we will have Rob two months into what a 12 month program, right. To, to talk about it throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Good stuff. So Nick, do you want to tear up our guests here? Yeah. Let's talk to Meredith Root and Alex Parker at tactic functional nutrition. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. So thank you so much, Meredith Root and Alex Parker for joining the strategy of fitness podcast. Girls, what's going on? Not too much. We're sitting in our basement because it is so hot here. Where are you? We're in Calgary, Alberta. So it doesn't, our summer is quite short, maybe a couple of weeks or a month, but it's, it's very, very warm. We're right in the middle of it. We don't have air conditioning. So what are we talking about? Like a hundred degrees? No, around like mid eighties to 90. Oh God, you're spoiled. Come on guys. That's paradise. <laughs> Not love it. It's like 80, <laughs> over 80 in our house. 
Thank you for, so much for joining. Give us some background of kind of what you guys got into this week before we really dive into who you are. What, what was training like? So training's been good lately. We actually have a home gym. So we do half of our training at home. And the other half, usually in morning sessions, we go to our, our gym. And we'll do like most of our like heavy Olympic lifting and gymnastics some of the stuff we can't do in our basement. And then in the afternoon, we do a lot of like erg stuff, like monostructural training, and then some, some more like gymnastics or core work in the afternoon. And it went pretty well this week, I'd say. Yeah, it was good. Nice. Any interesting, like, did you have any workouts that stuck out or anything you really loved or, you know, as far as your strength, I don't know, you know, which types of workouts you like the most, but anything listeners can try? Yeah. Good one. Go ahead. Yeah, I did one yesterday. That was fun. It was like started out with 10 toes to bar and then 20 cal row. And then each round you did it reduced by one calorie on the row down to 10 cals row. So it was like 10 toes to bar, 20 cal row, 10 toes to bar, 19 cal row, all the way down to 10 cal row. That was a pretty good workout. A lot of toes to bar, a lot of rowing. So like compounding movements kind of have to pace it out. That was fun. Okay. Yeah, that's I had great. Like a sprint gymnastics piece earlier that was like two row climbs to 15 feet, 200 meter run, 20 kipping pull ups, 200 meter run, 20 kipping pull ups, 200 meter run, two row climbs. So super short, like three minute workout, but just really like if you have any gymnastics capacity at all, that's a good way to test it. Test your pulling, anyways. Yeah, I love that. Quickly about that, that, that toes to bar and row. I love that. I did, I did something similar today. It was just a core blaster with a uh, 50 cal row in between each core movement. Man, you don't realize what you're doing or how much you're using your core and how valuable that row machine is until you, you, you go do some strict toes to bar or just regular toes to bar. Today, I had strict toes to bar, ab mat sit-ups, and, and V-ups. I was, I was torched. So that, that, that's very cool to hear. We're trying to figure out if it... Is worse to do toes to bar with rowing or toes to bar with skier? I think skier. Oh. I think skier is worse. We did a workout a while back. I don't think I even completed it. It was it was a cross with mayhem. We did it like probably a year and a half. Oh ago. my god, that worked! And you start, awful. you do fifty toes to bar, fifty ghd sit ups, and then fifty regular oh. sit ups. And then you go back, the, you rest for like five minutes and go back the other way. And when you get to the ab mat sit-ups, you can't even do it. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a good one. That volume is so insane. When you start throwing GHDs and toes to bar together, you are a masochist. You are a, you're a psychopath because <laughs> those two together and then you throw any type of conditioning piece in there. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, so it sounds like you guys are, you know, thriving during the lockdown times. I don't know how it is in Canada, but, you know, here it's pretty slim pickings as far as time in the gym goes. But it sounds like you have a pretty good setup at home and you're getting it in. So that's awesome. Really good stuff there. But I think our listeners would like to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, You've both been competitors in the CrossFit Games. And Meredith, I see four-time regional CrossFit competitor and Alex, six-times regional CrossFit competitor. So obviously elite athletes in your own right. But I want to take take you back to the beginning. First off, how did you guys meet? And then as far as your athletic backgrounds and backgrounds of getting into CrossFit, how did you guys get into the sport? So we met in 
I, I can never get the, the actual years. It was 2016. 2016. So we were both there spectating because I had, I went to the games in 2015 and then didn't qualify in 2016. So I was just with one of my friends and was watching. And then Meredith was with some of her other friends. And in the spectator area. Like Vendor Village. In the Vendor Village, Meredith spotted me from afar and ran up to me to tell me that she was a big fan of mine. Yeah, I I was like, no one knew who I was back then. So it was definitely a little bit of a fangirl moment. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. That was awkward. (laughs) But then after that, we just, we were talking more. It was actually, that's a good story because she... That year, one of her close friends was training for the games, Meg Reardon, and they were training. Meredith was doing all the games training with her, and so she was in really good condition and decided to compete in Fittest Fan, (laughs) which basically is like you go around to all the vendors in Vendor Village and you do like little challenges. So, like, for instance, RX Mark Year had a challenge, and it was like, max amount of double unders with the heavy rope in a minute yeah and so all, all of your you submit all these scores and then you try to win fittest fan so i'll let meredith tell that yeah so if you were like top three you went on to the tennis stadium and it i think we actually like did the final whatever the one of the final workouts was and i was like when someone told me about that i was like no no that's really dorky like i'm just not that person but the like the prize list was outrageous it was like skier rower assault bike like 300 hundred dollar gift cards to like tons of different places Reebok, you gotta do it <laughs> progenics like like vest d-ball like it was probably it was easily like like five thousand dollars worth of like prizes so i saw that and i was like ah i mean it's not that dorky <laughs> so then she comes out i'm like watching the final it was like one of the final events i think it was after team finished up before the individuals went on for their final event and they brought out the th- top three fittest fans. And I see Meredith, who I just met in Vendor Village, <laughs> stroll out there. And they did the thruster pegboard event. Yeah. And she absolutely crushed it. And I was like, all right. The demo team quit. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. The one that. And then, like, kind of a funny story. Ricky Garrard was actually the male winner that year. So it's, no one knows that. But he, he won for the guys. And then oh, no. the next year, we all know that story. <laughs> So he's probably yes. Meredith, you sound like the guy who recently threw the 95 mile an hour pitch at the minor league ball game and got the uh, Oakland A's contract. That's awesome. Yeah, that was basically, I, I felt kind of bad. That's you. I don't feel that bad. I won't, I'll take that stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So how do we get into CrossFit? Well, actually, to finish up the story about how we met. So we, so I, I'm from North Carolina, which is nowhere near Calgary, Alberta. So we kind of separated after 2016 at the games and then reconnected 2017 Wadapalooza kind of started like casually dating around that time. And then I had quit my gym job. Well, I had another job, but I was managing a gym and had quit that. So I was kind of in between work and like deciding what I was going to do. So made the decision after some time doing long distance that I would move to Canada because she was doing, Alex is a lawyer and was doing her articling, which is kind of similar to like a medical residency with lawyers. They do that in Canada. It's a little bit different than the U.S. So I moved in, yeah, like, when was that? December 2017 to Canada and haven't looked back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've heard great things about Calgary, Alberta area. I've heard it's just beautiful. It can get pretty bitterly cold there, right? I mean, the winters are miserable, right? I learned this winter that negative 40 degrees is where Celsius and Fahrenheit intersect. Oh, God. (laughs) Now I know what that feels like from personal experience, and it's really, really cold. Oh my gosh. 
But yeah, it's not bad. You just bundle up and they take heaters very seriously here. So it's all good. Tons of winter sports and the mountains are great. Yeah, we go skiing now. It's fun. Awesome. Yeah. So what was the next question? How do we get into Oh, yeah. So you know, a little bit about your athletic background, like you, what sports did you grow up playing? And then how did you, you know, transfer, you know, being athletic or being involved in sports, which I assume you probably were at some level into doing CrossFit? Okay. So I, this is Alex talking. I, I grew up playing pretty much every sport, like competitively. I'm very competitive. So I played probably like my three main sports growing up were, and they were all kind of different seasons. So it worked out, but I played soccer and then I played golf in the summertime and ski raced alpine ski race in the winter and then so I did that very competitively all of those things up until I was about 17 I think and I had to make a decision between golf and skiing because skiing is one of those sports where when you get very competitive you start having to train in the summertime so you'll go to Europe or Chile or Argentina to the glaciers and you'll train there ski in the summertime, our summer. So I ended up going with skiing and did that on, I was on the Alberta team, which is our provincial team. And then was on the, like a national development team to develop us for the 2010 Olympics. And I did that for one year. And then it was just not really my cup of tea. Like one of those things where like, you're really good in your country, but when you rank yourself, we started competing in Europe and stuff and you start like ranking yourself against the rest of the world. And you're like, wow, like, I don't know what my career in skiing is going to look like, but it's not going to be like, you know, podium at world cups and stuff. And I just wasn't really interested in putting the rest of my life, my education on hold for that. So I went on an athletic scholarship to the university of Alaska and studied just like psychology and philosophy there for four years. And then that's actually, I found CrossFit right at the very tail end of my four years up there, I think it was just like Anchorage CrossFit or something. And I went with one of my friends who was on the gymnastics team and she was really good at everything already because CrossFit is so like, there's so much body awareness and she could do all the gymnastics moves and stuff. And I got hooked right away. And I remember they were telling me like one of the first classes like, yeah, like CrossFit, there's like competitions and stuff and you can win money. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I came back to Calgary and took a gap year before I went to law school and basically just fell in love with CrossFit, learned like all the movements. And then that year qualified for regionals as an individual, but ended up going on team with the CrossFit Calgary team. They, we were one, we ended up one spot short of making it to the games that that year. So it was close. And then I went to law school the next year, three hours away from my hometown, found like a different CrossFit gym and started competing at regionals as an individual and then missed the following year again by one spot for the games. That was 2014. And then 2015, I finally qualified. And I think I was, I didn't really do CrossFit to qualify for the CrossFit games. I just did it because I loved it and I loved improving. <clears throat> and yeah, it was it was a shocker to qualify, but it was probably the best athletic experience of my life. And then 2017, 16, 17, and 18, I fell short by a few spots, like still kind of top 10 in, at regionals. But yeah, that's kind of my story. I'm not really, not really much else. That's great. Was your training any different? Just out of curiosity, like, or did the sport just get more competitive? I, in the, the, the three or 
in the six times that I competed at regionals, I was a completely different athlete each year, like so much better, way stronger each year, way more proficient at gymnastics, just technically better, mentally stronger. And I think as the years have progressed, it's just gotten more competitive. There are more people doing it. So there's just like the, the field is deeper. And then another thing at regionals, they've, they've changed it kind of year to year. So it originally was like just can West. So you're only competing against like four provinces in Canada. And then it expanded to include Northwest us. So that was like Oregon, Washington. And then in 2018, it was like the super regional. So it included California. Yeah. Like the regions got bet more competitive just because they were bigger. And then I hired a coach, a personal coach, like a, yeah, I got like my own training. So I did class programming in 2013 and 14. And then I hired a coach after 2014 regionals. And I think that was honestly what got me to the games in 2015 was just focusing on my weaknesses, getting stronger, getting better gymnastics. And then that was yeah enough to get me, to get me up to the next level. And then I've had the same coach for the last like six years and he coaches that he's the same coach Meredith has now OPT Mike Fitzgerald of optimum performance training. Yeah. That's the, that's the craziest thing. When you see the same names over and over again, you're like, okay, so what are they doing differently or what are they hammering year in and year out? So I was just, I was just curious more than anything because there's a lot of athletes that you see kind of peak and then they may regress a bit. I mean, like the, the catch from David's daughter of the world it baffles me because I got, I got into CrossFit in 2015 and she was just the queen, right? And the last couple of years, she's, she's fallen off. And I'm like, well, what, what's the difference? So I was just curious more than anything. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, Meredith has a couple of theories on, on that. I think it's just like what kind of train – I mean, I'm no expert in, in training – I just have my own personal experience and what I see other people doing, but some people are more susceptible to injury. So you'll see people falling off because of injury, at least from, you know, my friends. And, and I think now it's very hard to do CrossFit and have something else and be really good. Like it's so competitive. It needs to be your full-time job. Yeah. And, and that's another thing when you're talking about doing law school and everything else, like no one else is doing that shit. And <laughs> <laughs> and competing at a high level like you're th that's insane like when we talked to what was it kelly baker earlier in the year right dan she yeah she's kelly a, she, yeah yeah she's a full-time if you know me you know i'm always on the run up early and home late so having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me what is in the cards is ag1 it's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals i need to perform I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. 
AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. School teacher, and she's like, yeah, I get my workouts in before school and after school, but she's also a teacher. It's like, well, look, you're a beast and good for you, but to be like the top five in the world, you really, especially now, you have to dedicate your life to it. Like NFL players aren't doing two jobs, right? So it, it, it's similar. Yeah, we have we have a couple friends who work, a couple Canadians actually who work full-time. One of them's a teacher. One of them is works in the hospital. And they're like fringe athletes. And it's like, I just don't know how you're ever going to get to the top when you're balancing your life like that. And that's fine. Like they, I think, enjoy CrossFit for what it is. It's just that it's very hard unless you are in the top five to make an actual living from CrossFit. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's a very tough, it's a tough sport to kind of like make a living out of. Like a lot of people make it their living and that they don't have careers outside of it. You know, maybe they coach or do whatever, but it's very hard to actually make a living out of it. Like a, like with sustainability, like there are a lot of people out there who give up a lot for the opportunity to compete and to be at an elite level. But when you actually look at the return on their time and their investment, I've always questioned what you're actually getting out of that, except for a very like rewarding experience. Yeah. And I think that's what we'll probably get into in this a little bit is you have to find a way for some auxiliary streams of income, some ancillary revenue streams, right? Like we'll get into tact, tactic, functional nutrition and stuff like that. But, you know, whether it's coaching, whether it's owning a gym, just competing and being sponsored by, you know, whoever isn't probably going to do it for you unless you're Tia Clartumi or, or Matt Fraser or Froning or whoever. The, the rest of the world, they, they have to find ways to actually make money doing something. And and I, I think that's why we want to talk to you guys. Like, you, you have a pretty cool model. Yeah, we, we enjoy it. It allows us to still train and compete when we want to. But it's not only something that, that affords us that, because we don't really have sponsors. We're, we're paying out of pocket. We are sponsored by Tactic. <laughs> but it allows us some sustainability and longevity and it's you know a resume booster if we decide down the road that we're gonna like go into something else you know we have this business that we created and that's kind of always going in the back of my mind is like you know what am i what am i doing five years from now what am i doing 10 years from now so always thinking about that which is why it was important for us to build build something outside of competitive athletics yeah, I had one thought, just a fleeting thought, and then we'll get back into the tactical nutrition. But it's very similar to like a boxer and MMA fighter where it's such a grind. The, the days are long, you know, the, the, the grind, the work is so, so hard. And, you know, I, I always look at the, you know, I'm a big fight fan. I love watching boxing. I love watching MMA. And I just always want the prizes to be bigger. I always want them to make more money. And I feel the same way about CrossFit because at that point, when those prizes get bigger, the purses get bigger then you can have the athletes just focus on the sport and things get better. So we could have, you know, both of you, your, yourselves, just, you know, purely focus on the sport and, and then every other athlete would be doing the same and it would just create this 
you know, just Lions Den a competition, which would be phenomenal to watch. Not that it's already not pr- pretty sweet to watch, but it would just kind of make things go that much more crazy in the, in the competition level. You know, what I wanted to ask you about is where does the passion for nutrition come from? And I looked through the website, the tactic, if you guys want to look at it online, you could go to tactic functional nutrition and the programming stuff you have is awesome. And I've looked through the Instagram and you've had some awesome re- you know, results before and after of people going in your program. So where'd you guys get the passion to start tackling the nutrition piece? And then who is this for? Who is tactic functional nutrition for? So the history of tactic kind of, it goes way back. So my history academically and professionally is in science and engineering. So I'm a biological engineer by education and spent six years working in research and process development for a biopharmaceutical company and essentially doing industrial microbiology and focusing a lot on cellular nutrition and how that pertains to making biopharmaceuticals. So the science of human nutrition and cellular nutrition is actually quite similar. And it's just kind of the way that my my brain works. And then when I got into competitive like CrossFit and I also was into weightlifting for a little while, I kind of I learned very quickly that my own nutrition played a large role in in my results in the gym and specifically with weightlifting with, you know, body weight and being able to make body weight categories without like crash dieting or, you know, doing kind of the crazy bro stuff that you see on the internet. So that's kind of where it started for me personally. And then, you know, I was working with a gym and working at a gym and started coaching people on the side. And this is way back. This is probably 20, 2014, probably like before nutrition coaching was really like a big thing that people did. That was still very much in the eat, eat whatever you want, as long as it's paleo kind of era. So I started working with people way back while I was coaching CrossFit and managing a gym. And then, you know, I went to regionals a few times. In 2017, I got hooked up with Mike Malloy, who owns another nutrition coaching company. And so I, I moved on. And I started coaching under him and I learned a lot from him and sort of developed. And I really liked that method of coaching. I really liked that it was very hands-on instead of what we were doing before, what I was doing before, which was, you know, maybe once every two weeks, I would check in with the people I was working with, but it just left a lot of time for like shenanigans to happen. And so I really like the model where there's more constant communication. So you're talking with people, it's not even once a week, it's like three times a week, you're on text messages or phone call, most mostly text messaging for us. And it allows you to really stay on top of people and provide a, a high level of accountability and build a solid relationship. Because as detached as I can be from nutrition, I realize that's kind of like, I'm a bit of an anomaly. And so is Alex. Like we can, I'm very detached. Like, like food is fuel. I'm not an emotional eater. I've never been an emotional eater, but emotions are are very tied into nutrition. And so having the more frequent contact and actually building a relationship allows people to trust you and tell you what they have going on and really start to make some progress, not only with their physical results, but with their relationship with food and the psychological side of it too. So we founded Tactic. I left the other company. Alex was wrapping up her work with a law firm here in Calgary and kind of wasn't sure what to do. Yeah. I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. That was (laughs) not for me. So she had started taking some clients on the side and we started Tactic in 2018 at the recommendation of our coach. Mike Fitzgerald, who kind of saw we were we were bringing in a lot of our own traffic to this other company, and he was like, "Look, like 
you can continue to do that or you can do your own thing. And if you do your own thing, you can make it exactly what you want. You can, ha- you can get the clients that you want. And I, we really like the sound of that. So we, we did that and it was super scary and it took, a, took a few months to, to get it going. Um, so we started that in what, September, 2018. And we, we like kept most of our clients, but it, you know, we started the Instagram page from scratch and it was a lot of like the first year and a half, two years was, I guess we're not even to two years yet. Yeah. The first year, year and a half was a lot of, of us really having to defend our platform on Instagram, you know, cause we kind of put things out there in, in an edgy kind of way. And it's, it works for our brand and it kind of speaks to who we are, but it really can ruffle some feathers and rub people the wrong way sometimes, even when the information is very good. Are you telling me people get upset about things on social media? Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> but we, we did that. It's like everything we post is like, where's your, where's your reference? I'm like, it's in the comments. Well, that's not, that's not <laughs> I'm like, what's Instagram? Like yes. copy and paste it or, you know, type it, in type it into you your browser. Like, yeah. These, these Instagram nerds need to get, get, get their lives together. It, it drives me nuts. Yeah. But it was good. I think having to like being put in a position where you do have to constantly defend the science, which like, we've never had a problem. Like we'd never put anything out without resources and science to stand behind it. So I don't have a problem when people come on and they want to you know, get nitty on our page because I have responses for all of it. And I think it really helped us kind of establish our place in the market because there's a few like big companies out there. And so we kind of have our little niche and, you know, we like it. And we, to answer your question, you know, who is tactic for, we work with like literally name the type of client and we have them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause it's the same, right? Like the same thing that serves, you know, the, the elite athlete is going to serve you know, the weekend warrior, just like casual gym person. Like we're so into the basics that it doesn't matter who shows up on our doorstep. Like we're going to use the same method to, to help them. So we, we work with elite athletes. We work with, you know, weight loss clients. We work with people who are are trying to do recomposition. We work with endurance athletes, vegans, a handful of keto people. We work with people who want to improve their health. We work with people who want to just improve their relationship with food and understand portion control. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a variety of people. It makes the job very interesting and fun. Yeah. That's where we're at. So we just hired a new coach, which is awesome. Where We've been excited to do that for a while and finally got to a point where we felt like we could, and we, we found someone who fits really well with our brand. And so now it's like the three amigos and we have a blast. That's fantastic. And I, I think it's a resource that a lot of people could use. I've actually played around with myself thinking about getting, you know, more, yeah, our gym has a great resource as far as like nutrition coaching, which is an add on for the cost of membership. But I think it would just, I think if you're telling yourself that you can improve your nutrition in some facet, you're just lying to yourself. And like you said, kind of no matter who you are, or where you are, I think everyone could, could benefit from some personal accountability and some coaching. So it sounds like you guys are providing a, a great service. And I know that you said you work with a lot of different types of clientele and I'm assuming, hopefully correctly, assuming that you'll tailor, you know, the nutrition plan to the demands of, of that person. Correct. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, our, our more elite athletes or people who are looking to push performance in the gym, even if they're not elite, like we do focus a little more attention on like pre and post workout and kind of fueling around their training to make sure they're getting the most out of the gym. We're not going to do that so much with someone whose whose main goal is weight loss. Like I don't want someone who, who wants to lose and needs to lose body fat to be caught up with like, you know, how many grams of protein and carbs should I have after my workout? 
because it's just not as important for somebody like that. Or if there's somebody who's never had a vegetable in their life, mm. it's like, okay, we don't need to focus on having highly branched cyclic dextrin post-workout when like, you know, you don't eat a piece of fruit all day long. Yeah. You need to eat a carrot. Yeah. Or like if someone's <laughs> sleeping, they're sleeping five hours a day or five hours a night, like you can't really be too focused on getting to like 15% body fat when you know, they're not sleeping. So it's like kind of a, like prioritizing. Yeah. There's a bit of a triage when people come in. It's yeah. like, let's figure out what the, like, the most influential influential thing is yeah. that will have the biggest impact. Fix that for and a lot of times it is something as simple as like, okay, we gotta fix your sleep. <laughs> and it also depends on what their goals are too. Yeah, so. for sure. But definitely tailored. I like that. So so low hanging fruit when you're talking about like the weight loss client versus your high speed athlete. Give us like that that most common thing you see for the weight loss versus your your high speed athletes. For weight loss, I think it it seems to be a general like it's educational. There's a lack of education and awareness. And so it's, you know, it's educating what, you know, specific food should be included in someone's diet. It's educating on how to, you know, build the habit of meal prep so that you you don't you're not in a situation where you have to decide like, okay, do I want to cook a meal from scratch or do I want to walk outside and go to Arby's? Like if you can avoid putting someone in that situation, they're going to have better results for weight loss. So that's weight loss is education and habit building, I think, for the most part. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And it's learn and teaching them that they have control over their decisions around food. Mm -hmm. But like that comes with experience, like they need to experience that. Like they yeah. need to experience making a decision that isn't the one that they normally make. It can be complicated for some people because like again, there's different you can have different relationships with food, but for the most part, a lot of it's just like seeing yourself in a different light and maintaining control. But yeah. Uh, yeah, again, that comes with education and kind of planning and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then for performance athletes, I think if we're talking specifically about like, maybe not like games level, because usually if you're at that level, you have a decent handle on what you should be doing, but maybe like, let's talk about like a regionals level or a sanctionals level athlete. A lot of times for them, like there's, there is still a great, deal of fear around food and fear of eating and performance athletes and ideal, ideal body fat. Yeah. Things that don't necessarily influence performance. And this exists across all sports. There's research behind that. So I think for performance athletes, a lot of it is, you know, optimizing intake. And that usually means eating a little bit more than they have been around training and competition. So it's just, it's making sure that the performance is fueled and we're not focused so much on body composition and like arbitrary numbers. And then the funny thing that happens with that is when you can get someone to start eating for performance, especially someone that, that can output at a high level, usually you start to see very positive changes in body composition, which to them doesn't make a lot of sense because they're doing literally the opposite of what they were doing before chasing those sort of aesthetic goals. So it's interesting. Yeah, the dichotomy between the two is, it's interesting, but look, I mean, for the, the vast majority of people listening to this aren't games athletes or even regional athletes, they're just the, the regular moms and dads. So it, like, if I were to role play this with you for a second, and, and you touched on it earlier about how people eat emotionally. So you're just, you're, you're a mom. And you work 45 hours a week and you have comfort in your late night snacks. How do you break down the walls of just 
and and I I know this is broad, but like, how do you get them to understand that? Look, you don't need to have comfort in that late night snack. Is it is it all just having a, a very structured diet and having everything laid out for the for for the week, or are there tips that people can have? Because that's the that's the hardest thing from you know, everyone knows that a diet is important and that's that's what you should stick to. But it's at ten PM at night when you're a little hungry and there's cookies. Like, how do you get them away from that? With our program, the high level of communication. So we're talking to people generally like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we're talking, we'll kind of catch up with most people on, you know, a Monday morning after the weekend. So we look at their food log and it's either if somebody's had a a bad day, I guess for a lack of better term, and they've overeaten or they've eaten something that, you know, doesn't fit with their macros or whatever. Maybe it's a dozen cookies that they baked. And it's either logged or it's empty. And so it's like, okay, hey, hey, Susie, like I noticed your log is off. Tell me about that. And then you have a conversation like, you know, my kids were really stressing me out. Like I had a really bad Sunday and then there were these cookies. And it's like, and then you have a conversation like, did the cookies make you feel better? Or like you, very open-ended questions, like just a lot, like getting us an understanding of like some, like a habit, like what's the habit? Like what's the trigger? Maybe it is like planning ahead and being like, okay, on you know, weekends are very stressful because I'm doing a lot with the kids. I probably shouldn't plan to bake cookies on Sunday night. Or maybe if I have a bigger dinner, then I won't be hungry for cookies. Or, I mean, it's so dependent on the person. Sometimes it's like, it's recognizing on that Monday, okay, these, these cookies didn't actually help. They didn't make me feel better. Let's move forward and be like, okay, next time, maybe I'll go for a walk instead or, and remind myself like cookies aren't the answer. And like it, sometimes it's not, it's not going to happen like that. Like it's not like flipping a switch. It's probably going to happen again, but it's understanding each time and talking about it and being like, all right, did that solve a problem? Is there a better solution? No, and you hit it out of the park right off the bat. You said that you do three-day-a-week check-ins. I love that because there's a lot of coaches that just say, hey, this is what you do. Go do it. (laughs) There's some accountability (laughs) built into this where, sure, like we're going to have to understand your habits and you're going to discuss them. And there's some real, you know, personal touch here. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I think a lot of our clients, like the, you mentioned earlier, like, is it about having a very structured diet? And we kind of try to move away from that. Like as much as we're very macro based and we like using tracking and logging and weighing and measuring as an educational tool, we also like people to be able to enjoy the foods that they like, because oftentimes like what restriction can lead to is feeling deprived and then binging or overeating. You go out for dinner and then you're eating like a 2000 calorie meal because you haven't had a French fry in a month. So But if you have a French fry, you know, if you have a small amount of French fries and you learn portion control and control generally, then you can enjoy the foods that you like in moderation and there is more balance and it's more sustainable and you can have a cookie and it it can be totally fine. Yeah. And so it's just like, there are no bad foods. There are no good foods. There are no bad behaviors. It's just like establishing new habits and opening up dialogue and making sure that they understand that there's absolutely no judgment on our end. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people have never like you're dealing with habits that have been around for their entire life. And they're just in this, they're in this like diet cycle. It's like I'm on a diet and I'm off a diet. And so when they're on a diet, they just restrict and they lose weight or, you know, whatever their goal is. And then, you know, they go off the diet and maybe they gain it back. But either way, they've never had to objectively look at their own behavior and assess like, okay, why is this happen? Why does it happen? you know, over and over again, trying to understand what the, like what their triggers are, you know, what the emotional connection is. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, their parents use, use food as a reward or, you know, to make them feel better when they were kids. Like it can be stuff like that. And all you have to do is ask the right question for somebody to go like, Oh, you know what? Like, yeah, every time I used to like be in a bad mood, my mom or my grandma would take me out to get an ice cream. And it's like, well, there you go. Like, that's kind of where that behavior can come from sometimes. So it's like forcing people to look at themselves in a more objective way, but in a very non-judgmental and like accepting space. Like you just have to give people the space to self-assess and realize that there's nothing wrong with the behavior. It's just understanding it. Yeah, it's perfect. I make my kids do 100-yard sprints every time they do something good. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's different. great. <laughs> that won't cause any I give them cookies and ice cream. It's, I'm the worst. Cookies, ice cream, and then gassers. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's such power to those open-ended questions. And I think any change that, you know, any change that anyone makes is going to come from their own volition. So open-ended questions are such a powerful tool to get somebody to, to not only buy into your system, but to understand your system for themselves. I, I really think that's a great tool. Yeah, for sure. It's a whole like active listening concept. And I think... A lot of coaches out there, like it's tempting to just see people as problems that you can solve because it's like, oh, it seems very easy. And it's Do- it doesn't work. I've, I've been trying it for 36 years. It hasn't <laughs> worked then, once. You can't just tell people what to do. They're not going to do it. You have to, you ask the questions and let them decide what to do. And if you ask the right questions, they decide to do the right thing. And that's where the, like the real magic of change is. That's cool. I also think too, and it's great that you deal with all types of, of clientele, male, female, you know, all around the spectrum in terms of athletic versus non-athletic. How common are men, men's body? I don't I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't be into this fitness podcast or, or be so into fitness if I didn't have male body issues myself, but, but how common are the, the male body issues out there? I mean, I know female body issues get a lot of publicity, but, but there's guys out there that struggle with this too, right? Yeah, for sure. We did a, I think we did a post on this not too long ago, but I think that's, like that's one of the biggest things that, I mean, it's just not talked about. Like if you're a, a, a male, you're really not supposed to have, you know, weakness. You're like men are brought up in a way where they're not, they don't show weakness so they don't show vulnerability. But I think a lot of the same insecurities and for a lot of the same reasons, like you go look at a men's health magazine in the store and it's got, you know, some actor who died down to look super ripped. And then like they Photoshopped his waist to be smaller than it is. And like it's, it's the same, the same root cause that, that causes a lot of the female insecurity out there, I think also causes a lot of insecurities in, in males. And it goes beyond like just, I think the physical insecurities. And it, I think there's a lot of like emotional insecurities when men are, they experience stress at work or, you know, maybe they experience stress at home or they're having financial trouble. Like they aren't as empowered as women are to talk about this with anybody. So I think it's kind of, there's a twofold thing going on for the guys. And, you know, we have, we do have a lot of male clients and it's, it's one of those things that it doesn't, it really rarely ever comes out initially when we bring a male client on, but eventually, you know, if it's someone who's willing to communicate, you'll start to kind of like get under the layers a little bit and you'll realize, and they, I think it's again, partially it's creating a bit of a, like a safe space. 
we realize there are a lot of the same insecurities. And I think that being able to talk about it is super important. And knowing that like, there's nothing wrong with talking about it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having insecurities. Yeah, I guess in my in my late thirties, it's just manifested itself. I was telling Nick and, and Rob on a text chain earlier. I was looking at pictures of the bodybuilder Jay Cutler during a bulking phase, and, and the, the images are just so ridiculous out there of these guys. And it's just like you know, realizing that we're two different human beings, it's just never going to happen for me. For yeah. sure, yeah. I think what's interesting, and we see people will tell us some of their insecurities not even our, some of our clients, like you hear this stuff when you're competing with other CrossFit games, athletes, like you'll be on a competition floor or in the back and you'll hear someone say like, Oh man, like, I wish I had abs like you, or I wish I had a back like you. Like uh, my arms are flabby from like a legitimate CrossFit games athlete or like a regionals athlete. Like you hear this from males, females, like I think a lot of people, it doesn't even matter what your body looks like. You're constantly faced with things on Instagram, probably primarily Instagram of these, like, like you were saying, these like crazy images, like crazy bodies. And it's like, it's hard not to look at that and then look at yourself in the mirror and find and compare and find something that's not in your mind up to snuff. And like, part of that is just, and like Meredith and I, like, we're not immune to this. Like, I think we've all dealt with it in some way and it's just like constantly reminding yourself like what does your body do for you like why are you eating healthy like yeah and and it's a balance between like wanting to change your body but change it for not because you hate it or not because you dislike parts of it but it's like changing it because you love it and you want it to be able to do more or you know to feel more comfortable in it there's like it's it's a it's a fine balance but there's definitely, I mean, insecurities just they run rampant nowadays. Hey, by the way, I I'm gonna interject really quickly. I love that you're changing your body because you love it. I love that so much, so much. Everything is so negative these days, and you're changing it to get away. You're running from something, and some people are, and and I I fully understand and I'm, I empathize with those folks, but you're changing it because you love it. That is the way to think about it. And that's what I wish everyone would think about when they go to the gym, when they eat healthy, like, dude, you are doing yourself a favor. And if everyone could just have that mindset, not that you're trying to be Kim Kardashian or whoever the hell else on Instagram with their fake ass pictures, but you're trying to be the best you because you have 80 years to live. Go fucking get it. Like, I just wish more people could just hear it the way you just put it. That was perfect. I think too, like, there's more stuff about like understanding where your value as a human being comes from. And it's not, you don't get more points if you have a six pack as a human being, like you don't. And there's, but there's so much out there that it's like, if you have a six pack, you're this or you're that. And it's just not true. And it's like, you know, you don't know what people on Instagram are doing to to have their six pack. Like you don't know if it's genetics, you don't eat Like who cares? Yeah. You know, but it's people who, who have certain bodies or whatever, doing certain things on Instagram or look a certain way, get so rewarded for it in, in our society that it's just like, you have to constantly like everybody in our field as a nutrition coach or in, as a, in the fitness industry, it's just like a constant battle against that. Yeah. And I think there's the flip side too, which is there's a lot of negativity out there there's like i'm not saying the like the body positivity movement is 
great. And that's where this is coming from, but it creates negativity around people who do want to make positive changes in their body. Like it's, it's sometimes, sometimes making those changes and striving to be healthier and, you know, striving to get the physique that comes with that is looked down on as like your, your vein or, you know, you don't love your body if you're doing that. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's actually the opposite. You, you, you know, if you're doing it because you love your body, there's no reason to feel bad about that. And you shouldn't be made to feel bad about that. I mean, you're preaching the choir on that one. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. kind of along that same vein, I feel like undereating is such a common issue, especially when it comes to like the, the higher performers or people that have such a high output. And it was, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, like I had an epiphany listening to an interview with Cara Saunders, just talking about like when she really got serious about her diet, she noticed like her normal soreness after workouts started going away. And I was like, I did like a self-reflection. Like there's some days where like, I just don't eat as much as I know as I should. And I'm trying to train as hard and like, the soreness just persists like longer than it should. I never think about the the calorie side of it. So like, what are those other indicators for people that might be training pretty hard that they might be under eating? And what are like some really simple like equations or math people can do to figure out like what that base calorie intake should be based on amount of like work you're putting in in a day? Yeah. So some other tells would be like soreness is a big one. A lot of, you'll start to get little weird little injuries pop up. Like, you know, maybe you you know, your back kind of hurts or like you just, you kind of, you feel on the verge of injury. Like that's kind of what a lot of people report. There's usually like a, like a, a decline in mood maybe you're less interested in training. And then a big one actually is that you see your sleep quality decline. So we see there's a, like a correlation between sleep amount and quality and like caloric intake, specifically carbohydrates. So that's kind of what we look for. Is it like, you know, are you, experiencing disrupted sleep is your mood declining like are you noticing changes in your sex drive kind of like you know the general biomarkers for like being unwell it's hard sometimes too to say are you hungry because if you're training really hard your appetite is going to be a little bit suppressed it's hard to rely on that completely so you have to look at these other biomarkers yeah so usually if we if we have somebody that comes in you know, and they're experiencing anything like that on a regular basis. And we think that they're not eating enough. Like the simple solution, like assuming that the like protein and fat intake is adequate is to add, you know, 30 to 50 grams of carbohydrates per day for maybe a a week, two weeks and see if you notice any improvement in how you're in and how you're feeling. And if you're a bigger part, like if you're a male, maybe that's like 50 to 70 grams or even a hundred grams of carbohydrates if you're on the low end. And just see if there's any noticeable improvement in sleep patterns and mood and just, you know, general well-being. You know, for baseline intake, for someone who's an athlete, if you're training, you know, hard once a day or twice per day, we use a a very rudimentary, just like back of the napkin calculation, and it uses a multiplier. So you take your body weight, and this is assuming there's no, you don't need to gain or lose. So let's take your body weight and then multiply it by a factor of between probably 16 and 20, depending on how hard your training is. If you're like, you know, regionals games level, probably multiply your body weight by around 20. If you're more of just a heavy duty recreational athlete, 16 to 17 is usually a really good place to start. And that'll give you baseline calories. And then from that number, you kind of puzzle out, you know, what you want your protein, fat and carbs to be based on optimal levels. But that's a really good place to, to start for people who have never done that type of calculation before. And if you're somebody who who's sedentary and who does one CrossFit class a day, 
like they work a desk job, but they go to CrossFit five or four or five times a week. Then to just to give you an idea, the multiplier would be your body weight in pounds times 13. Yeah. Like that's somebody who's pretty, pretty sedentary, even 12, depending on if they walk to work. If they're, if you're like a construction worker, you're going to be up on the higher end. So you have to take into consideration like what you're doing outside of exercise as well. And then once you kind of do that multiplier, then you can play around with that. Thanks for saying pounds. I know uh, up up in Canada, you like the kilo. So let's just make it clear that it's pounds, not kilos. That's going to change the calorie goals big time. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, this has been a wealth of information. And again, everyone out there, Tactic Nutrition on Instagram, check it out. The way we like to wrap these interviews up is some quick hitter questions, you know, a couple one or two word answers. They're super random. So I'm coming at you live right now. And to each of you, what's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer? Oh, I love Topo Chico, like just mineral water. Finally. Oh, somebody's on the same page as me. There you go, Rob. Finally, dude. <laughs> you've been waiting for that shit. Yeah. Wow. So Maybe bubbly. Lime and salt in it. What's your favorite? Perfect. I like just like lime carbonated, like the lime flavor. Lime liqueur. I'm not really like a carbonated drink person. It makes me burp. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's the point almost. Now, have you guys played at all with the alcoholic seltzers? Because that's the, you know, that's the natural oh, follow up. The, the white, like white claw. Yeah. We've never had one of those. Oh. But they, I think Makes if I were something, maybe I would have one. Yeah. I used to really like Mike's Hard Lemonade. That's not, that's like awesome. No, no, <laughs> that ain't it. That's like, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, when we get our high noon sponsorship, you know, hopefully another year or so, we're gonna we're gonna shoot you over a uh, twelve pack. Yeah, that works. A question for both of you: favorite training shoe, favorite shoe to work out in, as far as you know, CrossFit shoe. All right. So, I used to be a big Innovate person, like the one ninety fives way back, and I have recently gotten back into Innovate. So I'm wearing the like the knit two nineties, and I'm obsessed with them. So I'm gonna get rid of like all of my Reeboks and Nikes and go full weirdo with the Innovates again. And I like the Nano 9s. I used to be a big Nano 2 fan, but then the Nano 9s came out and I really like those shoes. The 9s are awesome, aren't they? The 9s are like a big upgrade over the 2. It's like like, uh, the 2s built in a factory that's like, you know, they have all their shit together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're so durable and they're comfortable and they don't stretch out. Good stuff. And I saw the new Innovates. They look really nice. Yeah. Yeah, they've hired someone good. <laughs> so we need a gym standard for what makes somebody strong. We've gotten all the answers about like mental strength is. We don't care about that. We want a number in the gym. When you look at a lift, you like whatever the lift is that you choose, what makes somebody strong? I don't know. I like the clean and jerk. So I don't know. Strong is relative, obviously. But for if someone clean and jerks like 205 I'm, for a girl or like, what is it? 315 for a guy. I'm like, okay, you're pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm like more of a... I really like watching powerlifting. I don't know. I came from a gym where there was like an IPF powerlifting guy, world champion, and he deadlifted like si- over 600 pounds for a set of like 12 or something. So oh. I like, the, like a 600 pl- pounds that's plus relatively deadlift. strong. Yeah. I just, what the like, fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. That, that's really fucking strong. That, that's really fucking strong. We're not talking about really fucking strong. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> that's like not even like human. Yeah. But okay. Fill up, fill up, so, if you want to look him up. 
Yeah, I like like a like a six hundred pound deadlift. If you want to talk about like strong, strong, I think that's that does it. Over four hundred yeah. pounds for girls, four twenty five maybe. Yeah, that's really. God damn. I like you're setting the bar super <laughs> high. I love that. that. That's amazing. All right. Hey, one well, look, we're in COVID times, especially here in America. One piece of gym equipment, go buy it if it's in stock and you can get a lot of work done. What are you saying? I would, I would say like barbell and plates. I would say a salt bike. Good stuff. You know what? That, that, that's great. By the way, quickly, Dan was asking Rob and I today. He was like, I want to either get an echo bike, a rogue echo bike, a concept two biker or a rower. Which oh, one's he going with? I would say if you're going to get only one of those, if you don't have anything at all, probably the rower. That would be the first erg that I would get. Right. We, we talked about this. <sighs> That's a tough one. We debate this all the time, but also we yeah. have like all of them, but I originally started with just the assault bike and it was awesome. And then I got a rower. I think let's make them get, let's make them get the echo, the, the rogue echo bike, because I think, I think it's the most painful. I yeah. agree. And yeah. But, and so, you can sit on it for longer without it like really hurting. Yeah. You don't have the hit. That's true. Yeah. That point, like fan bikes were developed by the fr- like French cycling team way back in like the 1920s as a training tool for their, when they're doing the tour de France thing. So it's really good for people. That's awesome. I, 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 do a ton of the rogue or a ton of the assault bike at the, at our gym, and I've dabbled with the rogue echo bike, and I I, I definitely definitely noticed the difference. It is a beast, but it's one of one of my favorite pieces of equipment. So I will definitely take all these points into consideration. Then maybe when I get my uh, my next set of Trump bucks, I'll I'll fire up a you know rogue echo bike. Yeah. <laughs> Trump that he's bringing you fucking <laughs> yeah. another piece of yeah. gym equipment. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, yo. I also, uh, I wanted to promote too, you guys have a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So we have a podcast. It's called Afternoon Snack. We're on a bit of an intermission because we, we borrowed podcast equipment from our coach and we had to return that. And we ordered a bunch of new stuff, like really nice stuff from Texas. And it's like just lost. So I'm trying to hunt that down. And as soon as I find it or replace it, We'll get that back up. But afternoon snack is is our. It's like it's not. It's like loosely affiliated with tactic, but it's kind of just our. Yeah, we talk about our life. So we talk about like nutrition, our business. We talk about. Uh, we had a good episode on our coming out stories. A couple good episodes on like our CrossFit Games experiences, best CrossFit stories. Just yeah. a whole a whole uh, range of topics. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I wanted to uh, thank you both. You guys are, uh, I'm glad uh, Shante uh, Cofield, who was one of our previous guests, uh, told us about you. And I'm glad she did. You guys, like like Nick said, are a fountain of knowledge. I learned a lot today and I love your perspective. And I think everyone else is going to learn a ton too. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It. So what do you guys got for hitters this week, Dan? Look, by the way, guys, next week we're coming in hot with a cool down hitters. So we might need to change the name. But we need to start. We have like 10 hours of really good music, hard shit. We need when people are stretching, because I've been doing a lot more of that. So have your hitters, I guess, opposite of what they are this week. Dan, what coolers. do you got? The coolers. I'm going Bone Thugs and Harmony, Flow Motion. It's a good one. Rob, what do you got? I got Death from Above, 1979. The song is Freeze Me. Freeze Me. I've never heard of that. Not even close. Either vibe, but it's a it's a decent one. It's like a seven point four. All right, you, cool. And I got, got go 
Radio, any other heart? Never heard of this. I'm not sure if they're from the UK or something, but kind of sounds like it towards the end of the song. I, I'm a big fan. It's kind of like a punkish, not not too high tempo, but but kind of cool. And this week for Book of the Week, only my second Book of the Week, guys. Simon Sinek, Start With Why. I have recommended this to a couple people. It is a mandatory read when you're getting out of special operations and you're going to the Honor Foundation, which is a 13-week transitioning institute. And basically, their whole thing is you've been doing your why your whole time you've been in the military. You need to find your new why. And everything in, in life is what and how. But why the fuck are you doing it? And this book was great when I was getting out. And to be honest with you, the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about why I'm doing a lot of things that I'm doing. And this podcast is not one of them because I know why. But it has been very refreshing to listen to some of the leaders in business, in civil rights, it, whatever you want it to be. R- read this book, listen to this book, and hopefully... It hits you in your limbic brain. And if you never read it, you'll never really understand what the fuck I'm talking about, a limbic brain, but powerful book, in my opinion. Good stuff. Thanks. Yeah, man. All right, boys. Well, anything uh, around the room before we roll for the week? This has been fun. Another good week. I'm excited for, for next week and excited. For, had some great guests today and got some great ones coming up, too. Oh, we're talking about breathing next week, guys. This is going to be good. Rob is Rob. Rob, give us a little, little, little tease of what next week's going to be about. You ready? Yeah. Perfect. All right, boys.